Hey, this is Michael, and you're listening to the Passionately Curious by Michael Chin podcast. In this episode, we'll talk about Black African in Hong Kong and what we should know. What's more, I'll invite my friend Innocent to share his thoughts regarding today's topic. Innocent is a Zimbabwe-born African. He is a financial analyst in an investment bank, as well as the co-founder of the Africa Center Hong Kong. Without further ado, let's get started. Hey, Innocent, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Nothing much to complain. Nothing That's more great. special than what everybody is facing right now, but I think I'm fine. <laughs> That's great. Today, I want to discuss with you a topic, which is uh, Black African and Hong Kong and what we should know. Sure. Uh, I'll be glad to discuss, um, you know, what are you mostly interested about? Definitely oh, before, been... before we continue, can you tell us more about yourself? Like, I think the audience would be interested. Um, well, I'm from Zimbabwe. I was born in Zimbabwe, grew up there, studied a bit in America, lived in South Africa for a bit, came to Hong Kong. Um, sometimes studied in the, uh, here in the Chinese University of Hong Kong. And now I, you know, I uh, co-founded the Africa Center Hong Kong, and um, I mean that's sort of like you know a quick uh, panorama of uh, of me. Interesting. I wonder how you come to Hong Kong as an African and study at a Hong Kong-based university. Yeah. Um, so I mean, basically, you know, um, you know, despite the geography, you know, being far. Uh, you know, uh, because of Hong Kong also being some sort of a former British colony as well as Zimbabwe. Uh, so there are those relations where people are from, you know, historically uh, former British colonies, they tend to know uh, about, you know, uh, these connections, you know, like Commonwealth. That also, you know, includes how, you know, visa free in different places and all that stuff. So Hong Kong was sort of like, you know, one of those places on, on the, you know, on the map, at least for me. Um, and I probably would not have gone to Macau, you know, given that they have a more Portuguese background, so it becomes far. But Macau would have been very close to Mozambique, you know, despite the, the, the distance as well. You know, so for me, you know, Mozambique being even my neighbor uh, when I'm in Zimbabwe, it's actually further when compared to, to Hong Kong in terms of, uh, you, know, um, uh, you know, historical background and, you know, which place is usually easier for me or think of actually going to. So... Yeah, I mean, that was that. And then, you know, and then I started the Chinese University of Hong Kong. So is it, like, difficult to come to Hong Kong, like, as an African? Like, do you, do you have, like, any difficulties when applying for Hong Kong universities or come to Hong Kong? Um, well, is it, uh, is it difficult? I mean, you know, it depends who I compare with, right? You know, I, I'm not really aware in terms of, let's say, somebody from Indonesia trying to apply to come to Hong Kong, what kind of difficulties they face. Um, you know, so it's kind of hard to, 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 to compare without a benchmark. Uh, but it's, um, I think it's, it's okay. Um, you, know, um, you know, I think people, you know, they are curious. They are also excited for, you know, for talent, you know, I think, you know, almost every university, if they think somebody's talented enough, you know, they will take that person. You know, I, you know, of course, that's usually what the, you know, it's, a, it's more like a common thing around the world. Most of the African students tend to be high performing, uh, largely because they are usually on top of their class, you know, in some cases, on, uh, you know, some of the best in the country. Uh, and then they will go to these universities around the world. 
Um, so in many, in many cases, uh, universities in Hong Kong or elsewhere, they have had very, very positive um, you know, experience with African students, you know, including the Chinese University of Hong Kong as a whole as well. Um, you know, largely because, you know, it's not because Africans are like the smartest or anything uh, more than others. I think it's largely because the students who come to those universities are usually high performers uh, or pretty talented in many ways or pretty gifted, if I want to use that word. Yeah, I know you're from Africa, but like uh, the journey to Hong Kong, I wonder, like, what is the story behind? Like, what's inspired you to come to Hong Kong? Um, well, I mean, you know, I think... You know, I think it's uh, something I thought about earlier on, you know, when I was a little more younger, uh, in terms of, you know, where should I be, you know, at a particular time, you know, which direction the world is going, uh, you know, and then I felt like, you know, and then I, uh, you know, I felt like, okay, things there seems to be moving east um, and not west, you know, um, you know, so having realized that opportunities lies in the east uh, at this particular point, uh, in time, you know, in history, um, you know, I think, you know, on the macro, macro level, you know, I felt like I needed to be in the East, you know, to participate in those opportunities. So, you know, in my list, I think I, and I think the top three or top four places that were in my mind uh, when it came to, to becoming part of that larger change, you know, one, number one was Hong Kong, uh, number two was Singapore, number three was Shanghai. Um, and Shenzhen. I wasn't as much familiar with Shenzhen and what they had to offer, but I just knew there were exciting things happening in Shenzhen. Uh, so, so for me, that was on the macro, you know, uh, on what was at the back of my mind on where uh, I, I end up be. You know, of course, you know, you know, things happen at different times, right? Like, you know, it's not like a plan, like, okay, on this particular day, I'm going to be in Hong Kong. I think I had not really thought exactly in terms of the details on what year I'll be in Hong Kong. Of course, there were more push and pull fa- than pull factors in it when I was sort of coming over uh, at that particular point. But I think on the largest uh, scheme of, uh, scale of things is, uh, you know, I think that was at the back of my mind uh, and where the opportunities lie. That's great. Um, so as, uh, as an African yourself, um, I want to ask how African, like as an African yourself, how African has been treated in Hong Kong? Uh, like, what's your thoughts? Well, I mean, you know, it's very hard to speak for, you know, for everybody in a sense. But I think for me, um, you know, I mean, there have been a lot more positive than negative experiences. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I will start on the, you know, on the positive part. I think, you know, I think given that sometimes I get, you know, you know pretty much preferential treatment, treatment in many ways. Uh, you know, you know. I mean, just to mention some very silly examples or simple examples, you know, I'll go to a restaurant. Um, you know, I usually get you know better food than than most of the time. You know, I go buy my, uh, you know, and then you know they give me the chicken with no bones. They make sure I get the best meats. You know, when I get into the restaurants, you know, I think ordinarily some people, you know, the aunties, you know, they treat me pretty well in a sense. Um, you know, but, but, you know, on something that's more slightly negative, I think it's, you know, I think, um, you know, it's a mix of negative and positive as well. I think people tend to, they're curious, people are curious, uh, and they are sort of you yeah. know, always trying to, you know, to understand and learn, but they are also cautious. So they are a lot more afraid of something that's different. And that happened to be different in a sense. So, so there's a little bit of that cautiousness 
you know, which comes with, oh, somebody's going to say, you know, you go on the train and nobody sits next to you. That's kind of common, right? But it's kind of good in other words. Again, I have a bigger seat. Uh, you know, I, I, think, I think I don't really have a problem with it much happening on the, on the public transport. I think where I have a problem is when, you know, in the universities. I think, you know, I think, you know, I went to CUHK on campus. Um, you know, you can get on the bus. You, you dare know, you know that the, 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 the last seat is the one that, uh, you know, your seat is going to be the last one that anybody got to sit. And that's a bus on a university campus, right? Uh, and that's kind of disappointing in that particular case. Like, how can students, supposed to be the enlightened one, uh, be so uh, ridiculously ignorant uh, to that extent? So they, uh, you know, they're, they're those, you know, sort of, you know, part, you know, um, you know, microaggression, um, uh, you know, uh, things that happen. But I think, you know, overall, um, you know, for me, I think, you know, I think it's been not as you know as bad you know maybe it's because i lived in america at some point so so you know i know how terrible it can get to america uh in america for a black person so so maybe there is that you know also come from the south you know which is historically you know had this for the south of africa of, of africa you know which is historically had apartheid uh so i've seen how aggressiveness uh especially you know from a white supremacist perspectives you know, can get. So it's, so me coming here, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, you know, it'll be different for people who come from areas which don't have history of, uh, you know, maybe racism of some sort. Um, you know, I think probably they'll see it differently, but for me, I'm like, ah, no, this is, uh, this is a small potato. I know, like, you have interviewed uh, by the South China Morning Post, mm -hmm. and in the news, you mentioned about, like, Hong Kong is, not it's it's actually a place that uh don't have like racism they are more like uh they, they they're more like focused on like classism yeah. what do you mean yeah i mean you know it's um you know just first before i jump onto that you know uh, what people confuse is you know with uh racism in a sense uh it's just how people in Hong Kong tend to treat something different with cautiousness, you know, because if I am black and then I see somebody treating me in, in a way that I'm like, oh my God, they must be racist. But it's because I don't know anything else. If I sit on the same place and I observe and watch, I'm going to see, uh, you know, Hong Kong people are not going to sit next to or an Indian, okay? And they're not going to sit next to somebody who is too, um, you know, I don't know what's the best word to say on this. Probably somebody who because that too fat. Right, nobody's gonna sit next to that person on the train as well. Even if you're too thin as well, nobody's gonna sit next to you as well. People are sort of cautious of something that's so different. So, so I think being in Hong Kong and partly in China as well for a pretty longer period, you know, um, there is a certain cautiousness or something different in a sense. Um, but usually that's what people confuse with racism. Um, but I think it's you know it's definitely something else. Uh, but yeah, I do know that Hong Kong people, you know, they um, they have a lot of respect for somebody who is rich or who has uh, uh, some sort of money, you know, they, they, you know, I don't, they associate that probably with hard work or something, you know, of course, there are times when they associate maybe whiteness with a lot of money, uh, which is not always true, you know, and then they get more positive treatments in a sense, but, you know, as long as the person realizes that, uh, uh, you know, this person, you know, uh, is slightly wealthy, you know, Hong Kong people, they quickly change their mind, you know, I, you know, I've seen it with friends, you know, dating, uh, you know, they're dating, you know, their Hong Kong girlfriends and the parents, the first time they hear it's African, they're like, oh, no, 
Uh, and then later on, they realize, oh, it's an African who is making quite a lot of money. And then the parents <laughs> change their mind, like, hey, bring them over, you know, and then they can uh, have a nice dinner at home, you know, primarily because they were like, okay, so it's not some, uh, some poor African, it's somebody who is... So, so I think those incidences, to me, you know, speak more volumes in terms of, you know, what exactly are they, um, are they valuing, um, you know, um, you know, that wouldn't happen in some countries, let's say in the U.S. and South Africa, you know, where, you know, it's just like, okay, you're black. Okay, sure. you're black. No, no matter what, whether you are this or that, you know, you're bum or anything, you're just going to have to be treated with the disgust, you know. So, so they're very different. Uh, you know, I've seen those. I think my observation comes mostly from the dating uh, culture, at least when it's crossed between the African uh, largely men and the Hong Kong girls or Hong Kong women. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, um, so as an African yourself, like you, you see the Hong Kongers are like focusing on, uh, maybe like your status, your money, and that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. That that that's that's yeah. that's that has been my experience. You know, it might be different for others. That is, but that's been my experience. Okay. That has been my experience. Yeah. That says what you mean by classes. Yes. Like a better word to describe Hong yes, Kong. Yes, yes. So, so if you are, if uh, uh, you know, no matter your color, at least as it stands, you know, um, you know, if you, you know, if you meet some, tick some of those boxes in terms of social status and all stuff, you know, they are they are quite open and uh, you know they, um, you know, they have a lot of respect for that. You know, I'm not saying that's that's the best way to go about, but at least that has been my observation and experience. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, but. Have you experienced discrimination? Like, have you been discriminated by uh, some people in your life? And what did you do? Well, I mean, as I said earlier, you know, there are, there are, you know, acts of microaggression, you know, uh, which happens, you know, uh, you know, quite some time. You know, has it been of, of uh, you know, overt, um, you know, um, uh, you know, discrimination? Um, you know, not much which is outright, you know, like what you find in New York, you know, you know, you know, like those kind of things. Nothing so outright that, okay, I've been singled out uh, in this particular case because, um, you know, I'm like, that has not, you know, largely happened. You know, discrimination, yes, it happens, but I, I want to be very clear, it's not because I was black. It's because they are associating me with somebody with a lower social status. Uh, and those things usually come up. Um, you know, because I see it across the board, right? It's not just a, a, for the blacks as well. It's just across the board. Uh, you know, if I'm in my limited mind and then I'm like, okay, I, the reason this happened is because I must be black. The reason that person uh, treated me like that, you know, uh, this, that police officer uh, stopped me is because I might be black. You know, I always check, you know, when I'm being stopped by a police officer, I will check. I'm like, okay, just for my own sanity. You have your little booklet, Mr. Officer. Could you tell me how many people have you stopped, um, you know, in the past, uh, in the, this whole day? You know, and, um, yeah. you know, I, I want to try to understand. You know, I'm like, okay, usually they are pretty open in terms of trying to say, okay, I've stopped 10 people today. Uh, and like, okay, what did you observe? And what was their ethnicity? Uh, and then usually only that little uh, investigation from my side, you know, it also gave me the perspective, like, okay, it doesn't seem like it's, it's, it's really targeted to people who look like me. You know, I am probably the only one who looks different um, from 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 the group that they have picked up in a, in a, you know in, in that particular sense. So so I think those things, you know, they are 
you know, they, they you know, they, 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 they sort of contextualize and realize something is not particularly targeted to me. Um, you know, that's why I always think like, you know, for me, racism in Hong Kong, you know, if, and if you, even if there is, you know, if anything of discrimination is, you know, it, if, you know, I don't think it's going to really affect me that negatively. I always try to make that clear. Like, you know, if you discriminate against me, uh, you are really, you are the one losing out. You know, for me, I'm like, you know, I think I'm confident myself, you know, and I think I've got something to offer. If you think of me lowly, sure. well, yeah. that means you're not going to get something from me, in a sense. So, I, so for me, I, I, you know, if you, somebody carefully, you know, uh, of course, generally sometimes write what they want to, to write, but, you know, by somebody carefully hear what I'm saying, it's almost always that you discriminate against me, well, that's your loss. Um, uh, no, for me, I don't think in many ways, um, you know, racism or discrimination is really something that affects you personally, the person who is, um, you know, who is doing it. Um, so, so in many ways, I'm like, you know what? Well, that's your loss, you know, and your life is going to go in the wrong direction, primarily because you are so uh, ignorant, you know. So for me, I, I, you know, I, you know, it's not like I'm going to complain, like, oh, you're discriminating me. I'm like, okay, you, you discriminate, you try to discriminate me. Okay, your loss, you know. Yeah, I understand. I mean, like, it's it's just your like maybe it's just your confidence like uh, help you to uh, maintain the the positive mindset. Um, I think I think it's uh, you know you could probably call it confidence, right? I think um, I think I'm pretty secure in myself. You know, I don't think anybody needs to define me who I am. Why should I let somebody define who I am? You know, you can think whatever you think. Whatever a person says about me, it's nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with them, you know. So who sh why should I listen to somebody, you know, who says something like that about me? You know, I think, I, you know, the fact that I know who I am, and I don't need anybody, nobody to tell me who I am. Nobody, you know, can ever convince me, say, <laughs> yes. I'm like, why should I wait for somebody? I know who I am. I've lived with myself for so many years. Why should anybody come in and know me for two days and two months, even two years, and tell me, like, okay, you are this particular person, you know, you should feel inferior? Oh, my goodness. Hell no. You know, so, so because I know where I am, um, you know, I think nobody is going to have to convince me otherwise. You know, I can be in a midst of people and have whatever conversation, and nobody, nobody is going to make me feel anywhere inferior to who I am. So it's, and I, I don't think I'm anywhere superior to anybody. You know, I will treat you as an equal human being, uh, but they will not treat me anyhow, you know. Either as someone superior or inferior, I never really look for that. So it's, um, so I think, I think the, the, for me, um, why I, you know, I, I have that attitude, you know, a positive attitude as you put it, I think it's, it stems from, you know, know who I am. Know who you yeah. are. So, I mean, why, sh like why, should any, why should anybody wait for somebody to tell them who they are? You know, that, that's why we have insecure people, right? Because they themselves don't know who they are. They spend too much time imitating people. Uh, they spend too much time aspiring to be things they cannot be. You know, if you're going to aspire to be white, if you are, you know, I've seen, you know, young black girls aspiring to be white, you know, straightening their hair, uh, whitening their face, skin color, squeezing their noses, you know. I see yeah. that stuff. But you're only going to be inferior. You're going to feel inferior because... Uh, yeah, because why are you aspiring to be somebody else? You know, why can't you spend more time <laughs> realize, okay, this is who I am with my nose, which is flat, true, uh, true. and my brown skin, you know, and I'm, I'm, I look great. And um, let me explore what I'm, I can do better and I can do more. 
um, you know, I think that's that's what lacks, you know, among a lot of young people, you know, in a sense. Yeah, I think this is a really important mindset is to be yourself. Like others cannot define you, can never define you. You can, I mean, like you just need to be yourself and focus on your things and like try to be the uh, best version of yourself. Like don't care about others' uh, opinion. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I think, yeah, this is a it's really true. good I mean, mindset. It's, uh, you know, of course, you know, you can get, feedback you know you always need to stress that your yeah thing. Sure. but you know when it comes to you know to you know to being you know um you know it's always you know important to you know to be the best version of yourself uh you know as you put it like you know spend more time on that you know instead of uh you know trying to wasting your time aspiring somebody you know everybody's unique you know i can um i can tell you you know in a sense that anybody who aspires to some to be something uh, it, it, it's true. You should aspire to be the best version of yourself and figure out who you are. It's good to have, uh, you know, people who inspire us and all that stuff. That's very good. But at the end of the day, you know, it's you against you or you for you, uh, and how you can develop yourself and see what are the strengths you have. You know, um, you know, we cannot all be Usain Bolt, right? We cannot all be, you know, um, sure, you know, sure. whoever is, you know, some of those, you know, I mean, Cardi B, I don't even know who Cardi B is. I just know people talk about Cardi B. You know, we can all be, be, be that, you know, we can be the best version of ourselves. So, yeah. This is a really, um, maybe practical mindset because not only like we can use this mindset, uh, in terms of like, uh, uh, facing problems, uh, regarding like discrimination. We can also use this mindset to our like normal um, life, and uh, yeah, this is this is a really practical thing and important thing that we should be aware of. So, um, another thing that I want to know is that uh, what do you think about like the recent uh, Black Lives Matters movement as well as the George Floyd incident? Well. Um, you know, I think the you know to, to begin with, you know, police brutality in America, um, you know, has been there, you know, since since uh, slavery. You know, when they had their own version of uh, slave patrol, you know, like people who were you know following after slaves, you know, and then they had uh, you know another version called you know sort of like runaway slave patrol or something like that. You know, I think these things have been there, um, you know for a very long time and lynchings happened in the past um and today the reason we know more about it is because we have these mobile phones you know which people can film and people can see how yeah. see horrendous it is uh you know but this has been there uh, you know the reason that it happens it means uh, you know there is something wrong with the society itself and i'm talking about america you know there's something wrong with society itself with that society you know like how did it give birth to these kind of you know um, outrageous, uh, you know, public lynchings, you know, there's, don't have been there, you know, it has been there, and America never faced its race problems, you know, you'll be surprised that if you read uh, some of the speeches that were given a hundred years ago in America, you realize it's just the same things, nothing has changed, you know, listen from people like, you know, W.E.D. Du Bois, you know, even Booker T. Washington, um, you know, and then go in, you know, Malcolm X, you know, uh, listen to all this. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. It's, uh, it's still the same. Uh, li literally nothing has changed. Like, absolutely nothing has changed in America. 
Um, the lynchings are the same. The violence is the same. Uh, the attitudes are the same. Um, but you know, so so you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, uh, grew. You know, um, you know, I think it's something that mostly inspired by the uh, the Black Panther Party. Um, it was uh, sort of like a not really like, like a political party, you know, that came out of uh, I think Auckland, uh, you know, California, you know, which was much more focused on you know the, the economic uh, aspect and you know, self defense of the people as well. You know, some that also inspired by people like Malcolm X as well. Um, as a movement, it's been I think it's it's great that we have the movement, you know, to uh, you know, to bring awareness to this, make all these changes, um, you know. So, so it's, uh, you know, it's sad, you know, because it didn't end there. Even, I mean, recently, you know, they just, you know, shoot people, killing people. It's, it's happening. Someone was shot was it six or seven times by the police recently. You know, it's, these things, um, in America, these things are, unfortunately, they are going to continue to happen for a very long time. Uh, because America is not is not has not faced its race problem yet. Um, it hasn't. Um, like really, they think they are start. Right now, it seems like they've put some efforts. Uh, but um, I, I I'm not I'm not uh, you know I'm not impressed yet. You know, with the effort that are being taken, I think they need more aggressive measures. Because everything in America is racist. You know, from uh, the the school you go to, from the restaurant you eat. Uh, from the SATs you take, uh, the admissions in universities, um, the neighborhood, everything is racist. It's racially uh, put together like that. The voting, uh, the districts, how they are structured, um, you know, sports, music, and everything is racist. Like, you know, what kind of country is that? Where everything is racist. Like, literally everything is racist in America. There is nothing that's not racist in America, I can tell you. The tip... Whatever industry you get is racist as well. Like literally everything is racist. So that's how rotten the country is. So 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 you you need, uh, um, you know, a, a, a very very, um, I don't know, like a very very fundamental change. You know, which is going to have to uh, really change a lot of things. You know, in many ways, I don't think there is a solution for America because they will need to really uh, restructure the whole society. You know, like, okay, defund the police, great. If we can do that, let's do everything. Even the military, everything is racist in America. Like, there's absolutely nothing that's not racist, okay? I lived there. I know that, you know. I knew when I went to America, when I left, I told some of my friends, and I've been saying it ever since I came to Hong Kong, America has a huge problem. There is nothing that's not racist. I've never been in a country like that in my entire life, you know. Uh, where everything is really about race. So uh, when I came to Hong Kong, and then I talked to kids here in Hong Kong in schools, and you know, I'm like, oh, you know about America? They tell me all these cute things. I'm like, America is all about race. <laughs> America is all about... If you don't understand race, you don't understand, understand America. Because that's really what it is. Nothing else. America is a race it's, problem, a nuclear bomb of some sort. You know? It sounds really sad. I mean, like... um. I wonder if, like, um, is it because, like, the place that you go to uh, is, like, have, like, more serious racism problems? No, no, not really. Not really that. I mean, like, for, like, places maybe, like, more civilized, maybe they don't have, like, a serious racism problem. No, no, they are only different forms of it. It's just the same thing. You know, if you go to rural uh, uh, America, of course, you're going to fi find people who are not trained to pretend they are not racist. 
you know, and then they are more outright, you know, and they tell you, you know, they tell yeah. you like, oh, African, you know, where's your tail or something. But, you know, but that's, you know, that's just, you know, that's, that's in Rwanda. But in the series, you know, in the so-called, uh, you know, uh, you know, in the Eastern, uh, East Coast, you know, it's, it's just the same. It's just come in different versions. It's really just the same. Um, you know, America, you know, the Americans themselves, probably they are failing to do a proper diagnosis of their country, which I think they are really extremely failing. Uh, you know, but, you know, having a Donald Trump in power, you know, um, uh, right now and potentially the next one, the next four, term, four, four, four years as well, you know, it's, n it's not because, like, oh, my God, it's a mistake. You know, Donald Trump is, is, is probably what you call all Americans added together an average, and that's exactly what you see there. Like, that's literally America, you know. Um, so it's, uh, it's, so it's, you know, so, 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 you know, Donald Trump only exposes what's there. And you think he's worse. There are worse people than him by far. Um, I mean, there are not some good people. There are some little bit of good people in some way, you know, a little bit, you no know, little pockets of good people. But America, um, America really, really, really um, needs a, 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 I don't know what, where they're going to get the solution from, but the America, a race problem is going to destroy America. That one I am confident about. And I knew it, you know, the day I left America, I knew it, the only thing that's going to destroy America is race problem. They can ignore it, but it's just like a wound. It festers, it starts to stink, and then it's going to explode your leg if it's a, if it's a wound. You know, America has no other way out if at least they, they, they solve their race problem. I'm suspicious. I mean, like, um, for me, I went to America, but, like, I, I found, like, everyone's so nice. I mean, <laughs> like, maybe I, I went to California, but um i found it like everyone is so friendly and they are not racist they are just like a friendly neighborhood maybe well i mean just just go there to live there you were there you were visiting for maybe you know a semester or so it's not it's not that's not enough to 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 you know you wonder you know that there are you know there are areas called areas of privilege that people fall into um you know it's very possible that somebody can live in america and think everything is all fine you know, until they actually begin to, to actually deal with the system. Because we're talking about racism. We're not talking yeah. about simple things like, ah, who came on my way and say, hey, you Chinese person, you know, this and that. You know, that, that's, that's, that's very simple stuff. We're talking about systemic. That's primarily what racism is about, where, how the systems are structured. You know, who gets, who gets where? You know, who gets to get a job? Who gets to be in a good university? Who gets to be in this football team? Who... You know, all those things, all those things, you know, from a kindergarten, you know, who gets here, who does that, you know, uh, if you walk here, you know, how are you going to be, you know, those things, those are like systemic, you know, um, you know, who, you know, like when you are saying, oh, yeah, Kamala Harris, the first black woman or the first, uh, you know, person of color to be this. No, that's a huge problem. Like, why is that uh, like that? Because you're talking about systemic things, you know, so, so, so. The only way for you to experience systemic thing is choose to stay there, choose to be there and try to access the same system that everybody is, uh, you know, most of the Chinese kids, they go to America, the Chinese kids have a lot of money as well. You know, they get in there, they're not going to experience any of that. You know, of course, they're not going to, but they're not going to be accessing the same, using the same system that the local people are using there. Yeah, so, okay. so, so okay. there are all those, you yeah. know, we're talking about race uh, and the problem of race, you know, it's yeah, largely more on the systemic side. Uh, and and um, you know that's you know primarily what uh, you know 
But I mean, definitely read out some, you know, if you read out some books, uh, you know, ethnographies, you know, you would understand, you know, who goes to, ch to jail. So that's what we're talking about, right? You know, you go to the jail, like, how come there are more black people in there? You know, those are all problems of, of race, you know. Um, you know, the criminal justice system, the, the healthcare system. Why are black people dying more coronavirus in America when they are probably less catching the coronavirus themselves? You know, all those things. Why are black babies dying more, maybe four or three times more than the white baby after they are born? That's all part of the systemic racism. You know, it's, it's more complex than, uh, you know, than, than somebody on the train come and say, hey, you stink. You know, it, it's way more complicated. Ah, uh, yes, I understand. So maybe we can, like, we're a bit off topic, actually. Uh, maybe we can go back to, like, the Hong Kong, Hong Kong place first. Like, I wonder what actually, like, do you think Hong Kong has provided adequate support for African in Hong Kong? No, no, they, um, they haven't tried that. Uh, yet. Here's the difference in Hong Kong and, uh, you know, and other places. You know, systemically, uh, Hong Kong is not structured to be against Africans. Because when they were designing whatever system they were designing, they didn't have any Africans in mind um, you know, to put down or, you know, or to put up. So the fact that there is no system that is in place to systematically or surgically uh, oppress a black person or... You know, deprive a black person of opportunities. You know, it makes Hong Kong, um, you know, not a more toxic place. And so more or less like a less toxic place than other places. So, so has the government done uh, anything beyond that? You know, it's just like let's take Singapore for example. Singapore, uh, you know, Lee Kuan Yew came up with this grand formula of sort of dividing people into four races, right? You know, the Indians, the Malays, the Chinese. Um, you know, what's the other one? You know, so 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 you sort of divided people into that. But right now, you are realizing, oh my goodness, you have other ethnic groups now, and they can't fit those four 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 races that they 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 made. Now they don't know what to do anymore. Now they are starting having problems. You know, so so the same with the Hong Kong. The system was structured. It wasn't really thinking of any black person in a sense. You know, like okay, our education system. How do we make it more? you know, uh, you know, better for the black people, you know. And the government hasn't really done any extra effort to address that yet. No, no conscious effort, like, it, you know, no conscious effort as a whole. Um, you know, of course, you know, I think, you know, um, um, I think, you know, I, you know, there are different parts of the government as well, right? But, but there's not been any conscious effort so far. Yeah, true. But um, what do you think Hong Kong, like, Hong Kong people or Hong Kong government should do to support African um, in Hong Kong? I, you know, what I think the government should do, I mean, the first thing, you know, which is something we're doing at the Africa Center, is that there is no data, very good data at least, uh, on, you know, on Africans, you know, except that there are this amount of Africans. So we are sort of doing our own census at the Africa Center, you know, getting data from the Africans, try to understand, because there is nothing the government can do unless they understand who would... Who is the African in Hong Kong? You know, what is their education level? What is their aspirations? What kind of house are they staying? The government doesn't know that. Then they can't do anything, really. They don't understand anything. So the first thing, you know, which we are already doing as the Africa Center is, um, you know, running a census, you know, collecting data to try to understand uh, who actually are the Africans in Hong Kong and what, where are the gaps uh, and how can the Hong Kong society also benefit in a sense. 
Um, so I think I think more of those targeted, you know, um, you know, because we are all paying taxes, well, right? You know, we are paying. You know, we are really paying for it. You know, why are our money only used to, to count others and not really look at what the Africans are? So I think I think really the first thing is to really to understand the condition of the Africans in, in Hong Kong. Uh, you know, anybody who claims to know it, most of the time they just like uh, because uh, you know there is no data that's out there. So I think that should be the first thing. The government should support the. Uh, the initiatives that, um, or then the government should be able to be collecting the data, um, relevant data, to be able to understand who is the African in Hong Kong. Uh, and that is not there yet. Oh, but like, um, so can African uh, work in Hong Kong? I mean, like, for for newcomer, like, they cannot work in Hong Kong. Oh, right? they can. I mean, there is no such a thing. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, just like, you know, I think ideally the way the system is structured is that even if you come from Norway, uh, or from Sweden, you know, or you are coming from Ghana, or you're coming from Angola, you know, you should have the same, you know, same treatment under the, the systems in Hong Kong. They can, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, um, you know, they can work just like everybody else. Um, you know, there is no such, you know, uh, such thing that has been put that, you know, they cannot, you know, if anything, uh, they can, they definitely can. But like, um, for, for you, um, did you experience any uh, challenges when you come first come to Hong Kong, like finding jobs, uh, living, that's that kind of stuff? Um, you know, anything particularly special, you know, which I probably should not have expected. No, um, you know, you know, I think you know. You know, if somebody comes here, right, you know, if I come here from Zimbabwe, you know, and the, I, I, I'm looking for a job, you know, I, just to give you a more back, a background in how this works. Usually the way it works is before I leave Zimbabwe, I'm supposed to have a job in Hong Kong already. And the government, you know, the company applies for a visa and then they send me the visa and then I come here. That's usually how things work. Um, you know, of course, some people would come here first, you know, and then they see how things work and then apply while they are here. Um... But has there been, uh, you know, difficulties, you know, um, you know, it's, you know, I think nothing particularly special um, in terms of, for me, again, I'm thinking for myself here, um, you, know, um, you know, so nothing particularly special. I mean, when I finished university, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I had a job, you know, after that, you know, and then I, I, I was working, you know, and then I started, you know, my own social enterprise, you know, in other words, I have to actually be bringing Hong Kong people in, uh, and non-Hong Kong people as well. Um, so I think, I think for me, it's a, probably a different, you know, I, I'm not saying, I'm, I just said, I mean, yeah, I think you're asking me to speak for myself, right? You know, for others might be a different story, you know, um, you know, but, but for me, particularly, you know, it comes to jobs. Um, when it comes to housing, uh, you know, did I, you know, um, did I get any, you know, sort of like, you know, difficulty in a sense? I mean, it goes back again to what I said about social status and money, right? Um, you know, if they think you have money uh, in Hong Kong, you know, you, they can give you any house you want, you know. Um, you know, it's just literally, you know whether you're green or blue, and they think you have money, you're going to pay it, all that. that's their own impression. I, I don't like that. They probably think Africans don't have money. You know, I don't like that. You know, but, uh, but yeah, but I think there wasn't nothing, you know, surgically cut out for me to be against me in a sense. Um, 
But again, to be, it could be different for everybody else. Yeah, I know you have lived in Hong Kong for quite some time. Um, so do you, uh, would you consider yourself as a Hong Konger? Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think, I don't know, I think, I think at some point, you know, when I mean, it depends, you know, what, what, uh, what uh, boxes do people in Hong Kong you know, want to tick for you to be a Hong Konger, right? But I mean, the fact that Hong Kong, you know, being a Hong Konger is not a uh, it's not an ethnic identity, you know. It's not a racial identity. If I want to use that word, which I think is a very wrong term, but it's not an ethnic identity. Um, you know, I think anybody can fit, right? You know, so I don't see why me cannot fit. You know, uh, you know, I'm not saying like, oh, you know, like what the Guaylos do, like, oh, I'm a Hong Konger now because I eat chasu. You know, that's that's not. You know, I think it's a, uh, um, you know, the fact that I I understand, you know, what's going on in Hong Kong. Not just I understand, you know. I think I have my hand on the pulse of the society as well. You know, I care as well, you know, similar things. Um, you know, I think there are sort of like shared common things that I, you know, I've, uh, you know, so, so in a way, uh, you know, I think me personally, you know, of course, I identify something that personally somebody identify with. Um, you know, I think, you know, if you go back, if you say, oh, is it the Lion Rock spirit? Or, you know, they think, oh, that's the old version, you know. But, but I think, you know, um, you know, I think, I think I, in many ways, you know, I, I identify myself as Hong Kong, yeah. I know that you have built like a corporation called uh, African Center Hong yes. Kong. What inspired you to build it? Um, you know, I guess it's two things or three, but I'll probably talk about two. One is, uh, and what I told you earlier, you know, that I thought like, you know, it's, um, you know, seeing uh, how things are changing, you know, how important Asia has become. Um, you know, I think it's important that we Africans be at this, uh, have a, a seat on the table. Uh, you know, in deciding how the world goes. If we don't do that, then, you know, the Asians are going to decide for us. And I don't think that's a very healthy thing. And people are going to treat us differently as well, like, just like the Americans did. So, yeah, I think it's time that the Africans be on the table. You know, um, you know it's not a secret. China is going to be very powerful. Um, so, so, so we need to be here as well in terms of, you know, educating people who we are. Otherwise, people are just going to imagine things, right? You know, just like, oh, yeah, you know, Africans, you know, the they stuff they watch on BBC, which is nonsense, you know, but instead of, uh, you know, actual, you know, actual, um, you know, depictions of Africans or black people anywhere they are. So, so I think I felt like it's important that we do that at this particular point in time and so that we can represent ourselves uh, and, you know, make the best out of the opportunities. And then the second part, you know, I realized that people in this, in this region, I felt like they need another perspective to things and i felt like the problems people are facing here um you know they are increasingly becoming complex and harder to address you know primarily because they have limited perspective i'm not saying it's limited because it's poor no it's just that they are you know they are familiar of course with chinese perspectives and western perspectives but that's all that's not enough you know i think a more african perspective you know which is probably more important today you know given that you know africans have dealt with uncertainty for a long time and this era we are we're going, by the way, the next 100 years, it's going to be the era of uncertainty. People think coronavirus, protests, everything is going to be fine after that. That's nonsense. Things are going to be uncertain a lot more. Not because God decided, it's because human beings around the world, especially the Western uh, world, they don't actually understand the Chinese. That's going to be um, one major cause of the uncertainties because at the moment they are just guessing and uh, you know, being racist, you know, imagination about Chinese people, 
um, it's going to cause more chaos. Even the coronavirus in the West, the reason we have hundreds of thousands of people die in the West is because of that lack of understanding of the Chinese. If only they actually you know, pay attention and understand the Chinese better, they would not have been dying with that coronavirus where they are right now. You know, and all these uncertainties, there's going to be way more, you know, until, of course, a certain time when people actually are going to treat Chinese people equally like other people, especially the West. So, so, so it's going to be the era of uncertainty. That's what I'm trying to say. And the Africans have dealt with uncertainty for a very long time. So we are cut out for, for this. So I felt like, you know what, we have a perspective that people in this region could also use, you know. Um, so, so, you know, I'm like, you know, we've got something to give and we have something to get. What a good relationship. So that's how we started the center. What do you mean by the African perspective? Can you tell us more? And what I mean is that, you know, I think I gave you one example there, you know, which is, you know, how Africans understand uh, uncertainty, how Africans understand complex uh, situations, you know, on how, you know, when I came to Hong Kong, you know, you know okay, let's take Japan, for example. You know, in Japan, the train is late for 20 seconds. Oh, my God, everybody freaks out and they need to send an apology on all stuff. Because they are so used to things happening, you know, in a very... You know, expected way, but the world is not going to be there like that anymore. You focus anything today and say uh, next year it's going to be like this. Next year it's going to be totally different environment. Uh, but Africans, that's what they've grown up with. So that means philosophy-wise, uh, moral-wise, economic models-wise. You know, you know. Right now, do you realize that Africa is the only continent that has dealt with the coronavirus better than anybody else? You know, despite all those fake uh, assumptions from the United Nations. Uh, and the World Health Organization on top of that, you know, like, oh, yeah, the Africans, you know, some racist things they say, like, oh, the Africans are going to die with coronavirus, but now who's doing better? Definitely the Africans, because we have dealt with this thing before. We've dealt with these things many, many times. So it's not like something like, you know, you know it's just a repeat. For us, it's just simply history repeating itself. So, so if, if the world had actually listened and looked at how Africans are dealing with coronavirus, the world would not have suffered. That's another perspective. You know, nobody knows how the Africans are dealing with coronavirus. We do know, and we can see how good we are doing it, you know, because we have dealt with these things, the Ebola and all kind of virus that is spread in the past. You know, we've dealt with these things. So, so the next, the second era, the era that's coming up now, um, this period, is going to be a lot more uncertainty. So the Africans have a complete set of thoughts and philosophy and thinking it through in terms of how to deal and understand these things in almost every aspect. Unfortunately, be in literature, be in anything, really. Unfortunately, the world is still busy thinking like, oh, yeah, the glorious Greeks, you know, could give us some answers. You know, we know the Greeks have no answers. The world they were living was so unequal. They, they supported their systems through slavery uh, and the oppression of women and all the stuff. You know, would you think those people are going to be the ones to, to, to give us a perspective on how we're going to run the place today in the world? No. So I think we have that as Africans. So that's why I thought, like, you know, guys, you can ignore us if you want, but we got something that people can actually lead in the world. So that's, that, was, that was me, really. That's how we're thinking in terms of the African perspective. Tell me more about the African, like, how African uh, solve, like, the coronavirus problem. Can you tell me more? Um, you know, here's, here's an, um, an interesting, um, you know, sort of like, you know, uh, okay, so, so just for your own information, South Africa, for example, you know, is probably the one that has suffered a lot more in terms of coronavirus, but largely because, uh, you know, uh, of the, the people coming in. So one of the things that the Africans did um, was really to be more scientific. Um, you know, it was, uh, you know, when people were saying, you know, America, like, let's ban the Chinese, right? 
um, which is very racist. We didn't take a racist view in terms of who comes in, who doesn't, who goes out. Uh, I just want to give you that example. The Africans, both the, most of the coronavirus that went to Africa was actually from Italy. And then they were like, hell no, this thing is coming from Europe. You know, and then they started making measures, taking measures in terms of, you know, the people are coming from Europe. You know, in America, for example, they thought anyone who is white shouldn't be carrying a coronavirus, despite the numbers telling you that, yes, the Italians, the people coming from Europe are the ones that are bringing the coronavirus in America. But they didn't really. They just focused on, on, on race, you know, which is basically how America sees things, right? So, I mean, that was a huge mistake yeah. that they made. For us, I think we're more scientific. I think we, we have suffered enough in Africa in terms of these diseases that we can't afford to be just uh, dealing with conspiracies and, and racist views, but actually to have a more accurate you know, understanding on what needs to be done. And the, the lockdowns you know, were, do, were done pretty well in Africa. Um, you know, it, you know, of course, they're like, oh, yeah, people are like, oh, the economy is going to struggle. But they were, did it at the beginning. Before a country had the one case, they already implemented the, the, uh, the uh, social distancing. With, without even a case, you know, they already implemented social distancing. But the other countries needed to wait until, you know, until who knows what, you know. Um, you know, so, I mean, those are just some of the things. Because we have dealt with these things for, a very, for quite some long time. Um, so those are some of the some, some of the measures that were uh, that were taken uh, initially. Okay, I understand. I have more insights regarding this issue. Thank you. So um, I I'm curious about aside from that uh, aside from the African perspective, I'm also curious about like what is the African Center Hong Kong all about? Um, sorry, I missed the, I missed the question. What is the what? I mean, like, what is the African Center Hong Kong all about? Like, the, the corporation you built? Yeah, I mean, those are, those are sort of like the, the reason we built, the, one, the, the initial things I was talking about. You know, I think, you know, when you talk about now, what is the mission, right? I think, you know, I think we uh, sort of have three things, right? You know, one, how do you rebrand how people see Africa and how people see black people? Yeah. That's, that's sort of like at the... Sort of one of the most important things we do, like you know, how do we rebrand? You know, because you know Europeans and Americans tarnished our image. You know, but how do you how do you change that in, image? How do you change that image? That's what you are going into rebranding that uh, the African image. So that when somebody thinks of Africa, they don't think of kids flying with no or running around with no clothes and no flies all over their head. You know, they actually yeah. think of like, okay, oh, that's you know opportunities. How we can work things together? Just like think of human beings, like as human beings. You know, um, it's going to take some time to rebrand. Uh, because each time somebody sees an African, they just think of all those nasty things, which are just a bunch of lies. It's actually worse in America than in Zimbabwe in terms of these things. If you go to Detroit, uh, and I mean, I've seen it all, you know, but, but then they're good at branding things. Right now, it's a shooting, it's a shooting, they're shooting each other in America. We don't shoot each other, you know, but, you know, if somebody, a parent in Hong Kong will be feeling safer to send their kid in Chicago, one of the dangerous places on the world than sending their kid uh, to, to Botswana, one of the safest places in the world, you know. They just, because there are black people in Botswana, they always must be dangerous, you know. Even, you know, if it's Africa, somebody would choose to go to South Africa, which is probably very, probably the most dangerous place in Africa is South Africa. But because there are white people, uh, you know, in Cape Town, so they're like, oh, we're going to send our kid, people, kids there. You know, because of the, all those imaginations people have. So we're trying to rebrand, um, you know, uh, how people see that, you know. And, um, you know, you know, so that when, you know, people sit on the table, you know, we all sit equally, you know, 
uh, nobody is gonna be like, oh yeah, I'm inferior, you are superior. I mean, I hate that. You know, so so those are sort of like the you know the things that we are um, we are looking into. Yeah, I know there's a lot of um, like there's various events uh, happen in uh, the African sense of Hong Kong. There's like uh, networking nights, yes. like there's a culture night, and there's sometimes have like. Uh, the South African Center will host like some lecture as well. Yes, that's good. And I wonder, like, uh, are those events like uh, available for uh, all the people in Hong Kong or all the people and like, can can we all join it? Of course, it? you know, yeah, they are definitely open. I mean, you know, it's always interesting, and I, I know, because you know, I think uh, most of the time, you know, ninety percent of the people even there, they are not even Africans, um, you know. So yeah, it's it's open. It's a platform for everybody, you know. It's a platform for everybody to come in, and uh, you know, it's not like come learn my culture. It's not really that. It's like you know, come and get what you think you can get. You know, if you don't think you get something from the platform that we built, well, you don't have to be there. That's what we t- I tell people every time. Like, I think I've got something valuable. We think we have built something valuable. You want it or not. If you don't want it, oh, great. You know, that's, you know, choose whatever you want. You know, I think that has been our attitude from the beginning. Like, we never really beg anybody. Like, oh, yeah, please come learn. Ah, no, we never do that. We never do that. <laughs> you, know, you only do that when what you have, yeah. you, you don't think it's valuable. When you got something valuable, why would you go around begging people? You know, it's just like, you know what? You know, we got something. You want it or not? You know, I give you a chance to explore it. If you don't like it, great. You know, um, you know but the, some of us, you know, we are going to make the best out of that and uh, see where things are going to be in the next five years or ten years. Um, you know, it be it, you know, dealing with emotional health, again, the African perspective. I don't know, I don't know if people actually know is that, you know, even th- something like group therapy in, uh, you know, which psychologists use today, you know, that was something that was learned from the Africans as well. You know, uh, you know, uh, some, you know, medical anthropologists go to Africa and they see how we are doing uh, counseling in groups. It's still happening, you know, and all those things have been learned. But right now, everybody has this mental health breakdown, you know. I'm like, hey, hey, why can't you come and learn from us as well? We got something, you know, you come and figure it out. If you don't like it, that's great. But we got something to offer, you know. So, so it's, um, it's always that. And I think we, you know, in multiple things, you know, I think we got something to offer. So, so we have it open. We have had people from North Korea, you know. Uh, people from North Korea come to our center, you know. I, 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 yeah. Really? So for me, that's like, you know, oh, this is great. North Korea? I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people who come to the center, they always say, you know, this is the most diverse place they've ever put their foot, their, yeah. put their foot on, you know, because, you know, everybody's there. Um, everybody's there, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's very exciting. You know, it's not just about nationalities, you know, sexualities, uh, be it ideology and all that stuff. So it's a very, very diverse place. You know, I think it's not only the Africans you're going to meet there, it's definitely going to be the least you're going to meet the Africans. You're going to meet the, everybody else. You know, so it's uh, it's that kind of space. It's so great. I mean, um, aside from that, I know there's uh, another organization. It's called African Book Club. Is it the same? Yeah, that's organization. No, it's, it's our program. It's a program under the Africa Center. It's called the African Literature Book Club. Yeah, okay. it's, it's a program under the Africa Center as well. What is it about? Well, I mean, we read you know books of written by black. Uh, people, oh, literature, yeah, literature, yes, and uh, you know, we read that and then we discuss. Right now, we are reading the book called Becoming 
Commissioned by Michelle Obama. So we're going to be uh, discussing that book, I think, uh, in two weeks or so. Um, you know, we read, all, we read all, you know, a lot of African literature, you know, uh, being African diaspora from the continent and discuss. Um, you know, for intellectuals, usually that's the most stimulating, they like the stimulation that comes out of the discussions. Uh, and again, I think it's probably one way to get an African perspective on things. Um, you know, it's either ignore it and perish or perish. I mean, I, it's not like, you know, people think I'm exaggerating, but I've been here and I can tell people have no solutions to their problems. Even right now in Hong Kong, you see how miserable people can get. You know, you are like, people have absolutely no way what to find. I'm like, yo, we the Africans have heard it before. Please come read our books. You know, um, you know, unfortunately, they don't want, they'd rather read Animal Farm you know, than read uh, maybe Chinua Chebe, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, so what do you think we and the world should do to fight racism? Um, I think the first thing is to realize that, um, you know, racism affects you as well. And, uh, you know, and understand how part of it you can be some people contribute to it without even knowing it but you know so the first thing is, is really that you know even the most racist person usually doesn't know that they are racist or they don't even admit it you know um that they are so it's kind of like in a mental affliction in a sense you know if you're racist you are you are sick you know you are a sick person um and um and most of the time it's actually to see it as that and you know once that is a sin and then you can be able to actually you know, start having the conversation. I think the starting point is actually to have, uh, you know, don't just sit there and right now somebody, they know like, oh, there's Black Lives Matter. And they never Googled and try to understand what exactly is going, what's the history. Now that's miserable. Somebody's like that. Now that's a very sad human being in there. You know, like, you know, be more proactive, you know, go out there and try to learn something, you know. You know, it's not only about race in, in, in America or anything. You know, just try to understand things. You know, somebody, okay, what's happening in a minority group in China? Or what's happening in a minority group in India? You know, try to, to just understand. It's a global world now. We are all interconnected. You know, if you, you know, don't think you are, you are in any way out of the system. You know, so it's very good to, you know, to be more proactive in trying to educate ourselves. I think that's really, it's educating oneself. And it's not just asking people questions, literally going and digging the books on the internet. There's a lot of content on the internet that is absolutely no excuse. Why would anybody spend too much time and wasting their battery playing a video game, whatever they call it, computer game? I don't even know. You know, instead of actually, you know, spending time reading something and something that's going to develop themselves. Because it's not just, oh, I'm learning race, about racism so that I can help others. No, that's just nonsense. It's literally doing so that you can free yourself as well. Because the racism... It's not something that's poisonous to the person who is being affected by it. Uh, it's also poisonous to the person who is the perpetrator. You know, you are both, we are both, um, you know, victims in many ways. Um, and um, it's very, very important that you address it, you know. Otherwise, your own view of yourself is distorted. It's wrong. It's lies. Because, you know, you have lied to yourself for throughout that time as well, you know. Uh, so, so it's one of those things that it's important that to 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 be proactive in learning. Yeah. Um, so we mentioned about firstly, uh, we need to have a mind that uh, uh, want to actually pursue knowledge, and also the second point you mentioned is to be thoughtful, like to uh, put yourself into other shoes, into other shoes, yes. right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, yeah. yeah, those are the those are, uh, a couple of points that I mentioned as well. Yeah, 
we need to proactive and put ourselves in other people's shoes, definitely. Okay, mm-hmm. I understand. So what are your long-term goal and short-term goal? I, you know, primarily, you know, I think I, think I only have one goal, really. Primarily, be it long or short, for me, it's going to be rebranding how people see black people and rebranding Africa. I think that's what I'm focused on. Maybe short term first. I think it's all part of it, you know. You know, I, of okay. course, I have programs that, you know, like many things like program that come into that, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, if the question is about oh, what, what exactly am I going to do, but, but if you ask me on an aspirational uh, level, um, then it's really, it's really focused on that. I don't think I've... Uh, you know, I think I'm just going to use my life for that. You know, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to be the next Olympic swimmer. It's probably too late now. Um, but, I, you know, I think, I, think, I think for me, it's really, it's really that. Yeah, so it's all about the African uh, center. It's not all about the African center. It's a, you know, the African center is only, a, a, you know, a very small part of it. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, part of a project in many ways that, you know, I do to, to reach these aspirations, these goals of, you know, creating a place that I think the African or the black person has a place in the world. Um, you know, I, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's only one part of it. I mean, there is multiple things, of course, that I need to, to do uh, in the future. You know, there is a lot of things, a lot of things. But all of it, I think it's, it comes down to that, the idea of rebranding Africa and rebranding blackness. This is your long-term and short-term goal. Yes, yes. But, like, how you balance? I mean, you have, I know you have a job in, like, an investment bank, yeah. right? So, you, you're you working in, as a financial analyst, and, like, there's a lot to do as a financial analyst. How you balance, like, your work and your aspirations. That's, that's the thing, right? Whenever everybody tells you that do something that you, when you wake up in the morning, you want to do it, you know, something that makes you wake up in the morning, something that you're passionate about. If you're passionate about something, time seems like you've got 50 hours in a day. You can do anything. You know, you, know, you know, we waste so much time doing other things, like, you know, counting lights or whatever people do. You know. <laughs> There is so much time that if you make the best out of it, look, because you're passionate about something, uh, I, I don't see, you know, I don't see, you know, if I can have any problem with it. You know, even if it means I have to sleep at 6 a.m. if there is a chance to do that, I will. You know, because I'm going to have, I'm supposed to do, it's something that you're passionate about. So it's, um, um, it's never really an issue. It's priorities, right? It's all about priorities. If my priority is to go and play my turn on the, on the park, okay. That's my priority, right? You know, but I think it's just priorities. You know, that means you're not gonna see me in Langkwai form, okay? Uh, that means you're not gonna, you know, <laughs> you know, why would I waste my time playing video games? You know, uh, you know, I probably should be reading a book instead of playing video games. I have respect yeah. for people who play video games. It's just that I know a lot of people do that a lot more, right? You know, so I'm not gonna waste my time with any of that. I, I don't even know how to hold that thing they play the video games with. You know, um, you know, if you are giving me that, I don't even know how to move it. You know, um, you know, there's a lot of things I don't know. I just, I, you know, of course, I focus on things that I, I'm quite passionate about as well. You know, so it's, um, it's really about priorities. There are certain things I cut out of my life, uh, you know, largely because I don't think they, you know, they fit in the grand scheme of things. Um, so I think it's priorities. How do you balance priorities and passion? To me, um, I think you are actually quite, uh, how to say, 
a motivated person and also you have like a really big dream in your mind and that's wow me that shocked me um i think like as a co-founder of uh, african center as well as like uh, an investment banker yourself mm-hmm. i think you are quite successful and can you give like some advice to teenagers like how you actually achieve these goals in your life well you know i do have to say three things right you know, if i don't forget the other ones um you know one um you know this might sound like you know more cliche but a go getter spirit is very important you know if you want something go get it why do you have to be like oh my god can i get that i don't know all that stuff you know like really something you really want something uh you really go get it i think i think one of the things that makes things smoother in terms of uh, in life and uh, climbing up you know ladders in terms of this social uh economic uh, career it's uh, you know making yourself to be an interesting person um and i always tell the same thing to every young person i meet like yo man you got to spend time making yourself to be an interesting person nobody wants to talk to somebody who have nothing to offer you know by making yourself interesting it doesn't mean you know uh you know do some crazy things it just mean invest in yourself that when you sit down with somebody you know bit uh ceo of something they can enjoy talking with you because they are getting something from you as well you know in other words you make yourself an interesting person um then you will be in a better position things become more smoother in uh, uh in in many ways and then the other thing i think is just being honest you know uh this might sound you know be honest you know don't you know if you don't always have to be high bankers investment bankers no you know if you you yourself can you know very well that this is not your thing why the heck are you doing it you know it doesn't fit in your mission and it's not what you are good at why the heck are you doing it? because your neighbor's um, uh, sister uh, uh, you know is doing it or because your mother thinks you're going to look uh, great that you are doing banking you know, and that's that's the you know you need to be courageous uh to be able to be confident and courageous to be able to do what you think you will if you like painting fuck it go for it just go and paint why do you going to be doing like oh my god i want to be a painter too I'm like, why do you want to do that is that what you want if you if what you like is you know go and watch birds flying or counting birds or looking at different colors of birds or different type of roots of trees go for it you know for me when you do that uh, you have you know i don't th- probably that's really success in terms of you know just being courageous to go for what you you want to do and i know a lot of parents freak out when they hear those things you know but but it's important that somebody does that you know and um you know so just go for it again and so i think that's for me that's usually what i'll probably say to young people for me um i partly agree with what you said i mean like people may said um oh some people may said i mean like uh oh if you want to be successful you need to uh become like a lawyer a doctor and investment banker i think of course why don't you go for it like just try it first and also there's uh another group of people may said like oh doctor lawyer and investment banker uh, those kind of job don't actually fit you because you are not capable of doing that i think for us teenagers we need to like open to different opportunities try different things and try not to listen to people just because oh uh, someone told you something and you listen to them that is what i think yeah i mean you're right i mean try try different things um you know 
but you have to understand a lot of these things need resources and time to be trying them, right? Um, yeah. So I just, you know, I think you know, you know, you know, if 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 I think I want to be the best runner in the world, and then me, you know, three of my neighbors' kids are faster than me, you know, that's already a sign that this is probably what I want to do with my life, right? You know, so so it's I think you know you know you can try you know, but question your motives. That's very very important. Like, what is motivating you to want to be a lawyer? Um, you know, question it. You know, because you think you look good in that suit. Um, you know, uh, you know, I think question it. You know, um, or you look good wearing that. Um, you know, a blonde hair on your head. You know, um, you know, I don't even know why they wear those ugly white people's hair on their heads and wherever they are. You know, those judges and lawyers. I, that's just ridiculous. They should remove those ugly things on their heads. But but you know, if if you know if that's what the person wants, you know, then. Then, yeah. then, you know, yeah. go for it. So, so, I mean, the idea is question at least, you know, be, be able to question, you know, um, and question yourself and be honest with yourself. Yeah. Knowing what you want is the most important. If you want to be like uh, wearing like those uh, pretty suits or like those expensive things, just go for it. I mean, like, you can try anything uh, at this moment, I think. Yeah. As a teenager. Yeah, I mean, try, definitely try. I mean, while you're still young, you can try and... Uh, yeah, and, just try. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Do you have, like, uh, any other suggestions? I'm good. I, 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 think, I think that should be it for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, basically, that is the end of our interview. Thank you. Thank you for All right, coming. Thank you. Hope it was helpful. Thank you for talking All with right, me. All right, no problem. Thanks, too. Hey guys, thank you for listening. If you have any question, please feel free to email me at passionatelycurious.michael at gmail.com. I wish you guys all the best. Stay healthy, stay safe. This is your host, Michael Chim, and I'm passionately curious.